Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. From our team to you, welcome to Season 2 of Convert Central. In Season 1, we've had the privilege of interviewing 15 converts across the months of Ramadan and Shawwal. This season, we have created a plethora of topics for every Muslim regardless of our background, our interests and our races. We pray that every podcast that we upload will be beneficial to you guys and meanwhile, enjoy listening to Season 2 of Convert Central. Welcome back to Convert Central. So Alhamdulillah, last week we've covered about food in Islam and uh, this week we have a, we are joined by a new guest, Sis Siti Sarah Aisha. Before she was a Muslim, she was also known as Sis Gloria. So I just realised that Sis Gloria has been a Muslim for about 21 years. She took a Shahada in 2000 and she has an interesting story. She's often at Arkham before Circuit Breaker hit and you know, she's also active at the Filipino Multinational Club in Darakam. So before we start today and uh, t- start talking about our topics in Fundamentals to Faith, I'll just get CCT to share about her story, a short one for us, and then we'll jump right into the content. So uh, CCT, please. Assalamualaikum everyone. My name is Siti Sarah Aisyah. I've been converted since year 2000 and I'm a mother of three teenage children. Currently, I'm a single mom. Prior to converting Islam, my parents mixed a religion. So my father led Spiritist sect in my, my village called Iglesia Espiritista de Filipinas, which uh, he is the head until now. And my mom was a Roman Catholic, which I adapted to it because that's uh, most Filipinos religion, you know. So by the way, I'm from Philippines and uh, I've been living in Singapore for like 20 years. And Alhamdulillah, Allah led me the way for, for many, many years that I've been in the wrong path. So I can say that this is my renewal in leading me to the right path because if there's something that has been knocked me down, to lead me to the journey that I embraced for the past 20 years that is blind to see and learn about it because of you know lack of motivation or maybe there's no one to guide me here and busy of taking care of family because I've been married for 20 years actually yeah. but I've been living like a mother and father of my children. I'm, I'm very happy and grateful that Sister Zarina and a, a brother Razak from Mabuhai Club came and knocking to my door, come at home visit. So without them, I've, I've never realized how uh, my life is until now if they never come to rescue. What you're saying is that um, you came into Islam about 21 years ago and uh, you've been a Muslim for 21 years and recently you started to be active in Darul Aqa more and more and uh, as, you, as we had an earlier discussion, you were you also enrolled in some classes, uh, mainly first foundation Islamic studies in Darul Aqa as well. You mentioned that you came into Islam uh, when you got married. It was through some befriendness at Darul Akam that got you back to learning about Islam. Yes. So, befriendness are Sis Sarina and also Brother Abdul Razak. So, firstly, shout out to both uh, Sis Sarina and Brother Abdul Razak. You guys did, you guys are doing an amazing job in Darul Akam. Maybe you can share us, um, you know, what, what did they do to bring you back into, you know, uh, learning about Islam and, and you know, being, bring you back into the state where you wanted to become a better Muslim for Allah? Actually, I was a recipient before and I've been gone for like very, very long time. And then I think the president of Daru Alkam had recalled all those inactive members of Daru Alkam. So they decided to visit us one by one. Yeah. So that's how they managed to reach me out. 
And I thank Allah for giving me the opportunity to come back to Darul Akam. And that's how I started my spiritual journey, which I'm embarking it now, uh, inshallah. For, for us converts, you know, many a times we have different motivations for coming to Islam. So regardless of where we start at the 21st year mark or we start at the first or second year mark, it doesn't matter. It, what matters is that we eventually we get to the path of seeking Allah and understanding that now we are as Muslims and we have an obligation to seek the kind of knowledge. And yeah, you know, um, I'm super proud of you sis. Thank you so much for coming up with us today to you know share your story. And we're going to talk about something interesting today, a tie in Islam. You know, uh, Filipino sisters that at Dara come, they, they don't want the hijab. And I'm always so inspired because it, it feels like a social thing where you guys inspire each other to put on the hijab. So I'd love to talk about that later on. Uh, but before we, we go into that, perhaps we'll just share a little bit about why uh, Muslims wear certain clothes and obey certain dressing rules. Because, you know, when people come into Islam, I, for one, I didn't know that why Muslims dress a certain way. And when I saw my friends wearing long pants in Singapore when I was younger and we were doing sports, and I was thinking like, why why would someone want to dress like that in such a hot weather doing sports, right? So, and then after I came into, into, into Islam and after quite a while after my conversion, actually, not immediately upon my conversion, I realized that, you know, we had to cover up uh, in a certain way. So I was quite a late bloomer in that sense. But why Muslims wear certain clothing and why we cover up certain parts of our body is because we have to cover parts of our body called the outra, the gaze of others to safeguard our modesty. That's the main reason. That there are um, bigger reasons towards, you know, there are deeper reasons towards why we have to cover our aura. And, uh, you know, when we talk about modesty as, as well, it's very important to uh, a Muslim, our modesty. And, you know, if you guys want to learn about a uh, little bit more about modesty. We will have more podcasts coming up on the on this topic and inshallah. But in Islam, a man's aura is from our uh, navel, which is our belly button to the knees. And the women's aura is every part of her body, excluding the face and the hands for people who are non-mahram. Meaning, uh, non-mahram, we covered it in a podcast, also under fundamentals to faith. Uh, what they mean is that um, non-mahram are people generally that you can get married to. So you have to uh, cover your whole body except for your face and your hands towards this uh, particular group of people. So, uh, interestingly, uh, men's aura also includes their gaze. So, in the Quran, we, we are first told to lower our gaze as part of safeguarding our modesty. For men, we first lower our gaze and then we cover from neighbor to niece. So, a lot of times right now, we, we hear in, in the larger uh, society, we hear that, you know, women dress in a, in a minimalistic manner and then men blaming on women and, and, and saying that, why are you dressing like that? But in Islam, you know, it's our responsibility as men to firstly lower our gaze before we even look at other people. So why are we talking about how others are dressed when we are not even respecting them by lowering our gaze, you know? So that was interesting to me when I first started. Of course, when we want to cover up to a greater extent, for example, for men, we can wear up to three-quarter pants because we are covering our knees, right? But if for those ones to wear the entire length, that means the, the full length of jeans or, or, or just normal pants, right? We are welcome to, for women, if they want to cover up the, the bottom part of their faces in an entire called the niqab, they are also welcome to. And for us Muslims, we are only required to cover after puberty. So children do not need to cover up. So just some general guidelines of, of clothing. If one wants to start covering up after they listen to this podcast, just some guidelines. Of course, there are more, but I'll just share uh, a few. The first one is that uh, avoid transparent or tight-fitting clothing because they review your body shape and contour. So it kinds of, uh, kind of defeats the purpose if you're, if you're going to be covering up with something that is tight-fitting because it really shows everyone our body shape. Do not you know, wear gender-inappropriate clothes. That means 
as a man, uh, do not wear clothes that allow you to be mistaken as an as a woman, you know. And as a woman, do not wear clothes that would uh, allow people to mistake you as a man because in Islam, it is impermissible for us to imitate the opposite gender. Okay, and for men itself, uh, we are prohibited from wearing gold and pure silk because they are commonly associated with women. So that's one thing that we have to consider as men. So all in all, okay, uh, try not to wear a very extravagant attire that invokes pride when people look at uh, what we are wearing. Because in Islam, we, 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 we want to wear clothes which fits our status. So for example, if, if you're someone who is wealthy, you can wear clothes that are slightly more expensive because it fits your uh, livelihood. But if you are someone who is poor, do not uh, hit above what we are earning and then wear an attire that doesn't reflect our status in our living that would cause people to look at us with envy and for us to feel prideful when, when they look at us. So that's it on some attire guidelines on Islam. And this is where I, I, I would like to pose uh, City uh, the question. You know, when you first learned about Islamic attire and our guidelines, right? Was it difficult trying to adjust to these guidelines? At first, yes, of course, we are not used to it, to the clothing's full covering up. But after a while, it takes a habit and you won't feel comfortable leaving the house without it. Then. I agree. You know, now nowadays, I find it weird to even wear short pants at home. So after we get used to it, it, it gets more natural. But when, you know, at first, it, it's like we are getting used to it, right? But eventually, do you enjoy like wearing, dressing yourself up in, a, in this certain fashion? Yes, Alhamdulillah. I've been doing my hijab for like uh, more than a year now. I feel more confident and feel more decent because when you're wearing those, you can see some parts of your bodies. Some people might glare on you unexpectedly. Yeah. Or, yeah, so I didn't like that kind of feeling, you see. Thank you, Sis City, for sharing with us your journey of donning the hijab. And, and it was interesting to know that uh, you know you started wearing the hijab because you felt like you wanted to safeguard your modesty more. Just to reiterate this point that it's never too late to start. So you started a year ago and that is you know a while after you have taken your shahada. So it's never too late to start. And I'm so glad that you have started to walk in the path of knowledge and also the path of wearing you know more appropriate clothing for us Muslims. So lastly, before we end, I would just like to get you to share some advice to anyone who is starting to either wear more appropriate clothing as Muslims or starting to don the hijab, be it for brothers who are just starting to wear longer and longer pants so that they can cover their aura or the sisters who are trying to don the hijab. Uh, for my advice for all the Muslim women out there that who want to wear the hijab, First of all, is your intention is the most important thing and your commitment because it's not a thing that you can just eat and beat it out when you don't like it. For myself, it's my intention actually that I don't my job until I reach that certain date. So Alhamdulillah, I managed to do it before the date that I, I set it into myself. So for all the Muslima out there who is planning, may Allah give you hidayah to, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean. to do that's good advice. Indeed, for most of the hadith books that we start learning as Muslims, the first hadith that we always learn is the hadith of intention, al-amalu bin niyat. So it's, it's great advice. And, you know, like what Sis uh, Siti shared, it's never something that uh, we, we do it on a whim. We must be determined. However, sometimes we will fail, be it one reason or so. But just remember that as that, that hadith states, niyat, our actions are accounted by their intentions. So even if you do fail, you have intended to start 
and you will be rewarded in accordance to that intention. Do not feel like you have failed the entire mission just because you failed once or twice. Uh, Allah sees your intentions. Just continue to, uh, you know, be determined in in wearing the hijab of or for the or for the brothers as well. Continue wearing what you're supposed to wear. Inshallah, Allah will ease the journey for you as He has eased for many of us. So, thank you so much, City, for sharing your experience and also some of your advice for those who are starting out in this journey. And uh, we will end this episode here before talking about mosque in Islam uh, in the next episode. So, whoever who is interested to learn about, uh, you know, what a mosque place in our Singaporean Muslim society do head, do head down to the next episode but for now we will end our episode here with Tasbih Kafara and Suratul Asr Subhanakallahumma bihamdika Shadu Allah ilanda astaghfiruka wa tubi ilaik Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Wala asr innal insana lafi khus illa ladhina amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasabil haqi wa tawasabil sabr Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh